Hey, Hannah. Hey, Kate. How's it going? You know, it's going pretty well. What about you? I'm good. I'm good. I've got my post-workout protein shake. Mm. I just finished arm day, and protein shake is grass-fed and finished beef collagen protein powder, to get specific, (laughs) with coconut water. Mm. Really good. Super simple, but a great post-workout smoothie. That is a a Kate classic, for sure. Yeah. What about you? What do you got? Um, Well, I am currently waiting for my delicious peppermint tea to cool down to a temperature that I can drink it. (laughs) It's still very hot, Um, but the aroma is good enough for now. Mm, Yeah, it does smell really good. (laughs) It is nice. All right, ready to get into it? Yeah. Howdy Howdy from Houston. Houston. I'm Kate. And I'm Hannah. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about fetal alcohol syndrome, or FAS, specifically regarding to alcohol consumption of the father. Mm. So traditionally, uh, fetal alcohol syndrome, which is uh, a congenital syndrome due to alcohol consumption during pregnancy, uh, which creates mental development, physical growth uh, problems in the baby, all sorts of things. Um, It's generally been associated with alcohol consumption by the mother during pregnancy. Uh, But recently, Kate and I got this email as med students um, from our university that, you know, they often send out interesting new topics, exciting um, research papers, things like that. Uh, And we recently came across this article that was discussing um, kind of a breakthrough into research of how fetal alcohol syndrome, FAS, can be caused potentially by alcohol consumption of the father prior to becoming pregnant, prior to the the, uh, conception happening. Right, which is really interesting because prior to this, and even now, when the sperm and the egg meet for fertilization, it's thought that the sperm only transmits genetic material. Mm -hmm. So if this is true, and this is just one study, very early research showing that paternal alcohol consumption could cause fetal alcohol syndrome, But if this is true, then that's really cool because it opens up a whole brand new field of research where we can look into what exactly the sperm transmits to the egg because either alcohol affects our genetic material, especially in the sperm, Mm -hmm. or alcohol doesn't affect genetic material and the sperm actually gives more to the egg than we might have originally thought. Right, and that could be affected by alcohol. Like exactly. Other other factors within the sperm that maybe we haven't explored yet. Or exactly. Understood. Yeah. Yeah. So this article that we read, it's it's a very brief overview of the research that this team conducted, um, and it doesn't give a ton of detail into exactly what they did for research. But I really appreciated the way that they approached the article, and they wanted to bring awareness to the fact that this. Uh, source like hasn't really been explored you know we they haven't really looked into how the alcohol consumption patterns of a father could affect pregnancy and could affect alcohol fetal alcohol syndrome um, so one of the things that they pointed out in this article was they uh, just gave an example of this organization called the Collaboration on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome. So it's like C-O-F-A-S or something. It's kind of a long acronym. Um, but one of the examples there was they did this survey of 41 children who were diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome to mothers. They were born to mothers who were refusing to endorse uh, alcohol use. They were saying they did not consume alcohol while they were pregnant, yet their babies came out with fetal alcohol syndrome. 
Um, so you could say that some of that could be due to um, inaccurate reporting, things like that. But right. And actually what they thought at first was that the mothers were not accurately reporting their alcohol consumption. They thought that right. they thought that these moms had consumed alcohol and maybe just weren't being very truthful about it. Mm-hmm. And not to negate that possibility that could right. still easily be uh, the result of this. But the fact remains that there were 41 children diagnosed with FAS to mothers who claimed to not consume alcohol. So that does open the door into, well, well let's think about it. What else could cause fetal alcohol syndrome if it's not the mother? Could it potentially be the father consuming alcohol before pregnancy? Right. So I just yeah. thought that little that little detail was um, kind of an interesting spark, a little interesting, you know, inspiration to start exploring this. Yeah, I agree, especially because it's thought that obviously, you know, if the mom drinks alcohol, she carries the baby. So mm-hmm. of course that's going to have an influence on the baby. Right. But since we haven't known anything about the father potentially trans- transmitting more than just genetic material. It's thought that, oh, the father can do, you know, anything he wants, but it's it could be a lot more than that, which I think is really interesting to think about. Yeah. Um, this study in particular, too, it looked at uh, primarily craniofacial and central nervous system growth deficiencies mm-hmm. uh, in mice. So they used mice as a study, um, and they exposed both the maternal genetics or the maternal mice, you know, and the paternal mice and both mice, both maternal and paternal, um, and then explored how the craniofacial and central nervous system was modified or the growth deficiencies there um, in both male and female offspring. And it looked looked to me like in the, in the summary of the study that all three of those things, both only maternal exposure, only paternal exposure, and both maternal and paternal exposure to alcohol um, created, you know, the equivalent of fetal alcohol syndrome in mice. Yeah, and most notably they were saying is that there were significant craniofacial changes, which means that the head and face shaped were Mm -hmm. different in offspring born to parents or one parent Mm -hmm. who had consumed alcohol uh, either the mother during pregnancy or the father prior to conception. Right. So in the study, some of the things they noted were reduced head size, so just a smaller head, um, smaller eye size, mm-hmm. um, and the depth of your face was not quite as deep. Yeah, I think specifically Redu- since it's like a mouse, you know, they have like a snout. So yeah. like the, so, the length of their snout shortened. Yeah, which, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like a little pug mouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and another one that they noted, snout occipital distance. So I think, yeah. Right. Snout. The snout length. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, and that I think parallels a lot to some of the symptoms that you see in babies with fetal alcohol syndrome. You know, right. Sometimes it's a smaller head size or just general facial um, changes that aren't normal. Yeah, and just underdevelopment of parts of your face and head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, kind of going back to the fact that this overview of the study, one, it didn't provide a ton of detail of the actual research that they did, but even just acknowledging that the research that they did do is kind of groundbreaking. You know, it's kind of first of its kind. So there, there are a lot of unanswered questions that I still have, and I'm sure other people still have now that this door is being opened. Um, 
specifically the first thing that kind of came to mind for me was what is the categorization of alcohol use when it comes to the paternal alcohol use is this chronic alcohol use is that what affects the sperm or affects the pregnancy or affects fetal alcohol syndrome is it just within 24 hours prior to conception is it within one week you know is it how many drinks they had within that time frame you know i'm really curious to know um more about the volume the timing the um chronicity of <laughs> the alcohol use on the paternal side when it comes to how it affects fetal alcohol syndrome yeah i would be very curious about that too especially timing wise and if maybe you were a chronic drinker and then slowed down for a month, is that enough time to turn over your sperm to have healthy sperm to make a baby? Mm -hmm. And also just comparing this to our previous episode about alcohol and how we had very distinct parameters for what is chronic use. Right. And there's a lot of well-studied things that we talked about in that episode versus this episode is just kind of a review of an article that's brand new research that this paper might be one of the first of its kind in this field. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all the parameters that we don't have will be very interesting to follow in the coming years as it, right. as more research comes out. Right. And I, I do feel like there is, um, you know, a good chunk of research out there on how alcohol affects you know, you as a person, as an adult, like how it affects women and how it affects men. And I think it'd be, it'd be interesting to continue to tie that in with not just how it affects you as a person, but how it could affect your ability to make more people. <laughs> right. Know? Well, it does have an effect on your ability, your, not your ability to make hormones, your hormones, mm -hmm. kind of like we yeah, discussed before. And your drops. Yeah. And, and your estrogen levels increase, um, which maybe in a man trying to make more sperm, is not, not good. Just just some speculation there. <laughs> but yeah, I wonder if it has an effect on your hormones and maybe the way your body makes the sperm could be different. Yeah, a lot of things to question. Yeah. To explore. Um, and just to reiterate too, I think it is so interesting how right now, like with this study, it really does kind of split the line of we either know that there's more information that sperm carries into the pregnancy or we need to figure out how sperm is affected by alcohol those like those are the two options here right the genetic material of sperm right and if alcohol can change the genetic material of sperm mm -hmm. then is it changing the genetic material of our other cells is it changing right. other really high turnover cells so high turnover cells are cells like your skin cells, mm -hmm. anything that can get damaged epithelial and you cells, epithelial yeah. cells, a lot of stuff in your gut are really high turnover cells because those cells can get damaged. Right. And which makes sense. Right. Versus it's, like your nerves, you don't right. grow new nerves every day. You don't need those regularly. So those might not have as high of turnover. Mm -hmm. I always think of the body as kind of like, like a straw or like a tube. Like yeah. Like your skin is the outside, but you inside of like your mouth, down to your throat, through your gut, all the way out, you know, like that is kind of technically the outside. If you think about it, you know, it's like, yeah, it's an external layer that is contained internally, but it's, so it's different. It, it, it is exposed to a lot of external things compared to like your muscles, which are in between those two layers. Yeah. Your muscles don't reproduce they don't grow new muscles they just get bigger or mm -hmm. smaller yeah yeah 
So that's another not high turnover cell. But it would be really interesting to explore the interaction of alcohol and DNA. Yeah. A lot of things on the horizon. Um, I know I'm really excited to continue looking for articles like this. I'd really like to follow the team in particular that did this research. Um, since they are a part of the university that we're a part of, like, I right. feel like we could definitely get some good contact with them and just ask them more questions about what their plans are for the future with this research or if they have, you know, if they're presenting anywhere or what kind of conferences they might be going to, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be really interesting to follow. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, nice and sweet and short. Is that how you say that? Short and sweet. <laughs> short and sweet. <laughs> we <did> that out. <laughs> short and sweet uh, to the point. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Also, if you want to give us any feedback or just say hello, you can email us at howdyfromhoustonpodcast at gmail.com. All one word, all lowercase, no characters or anything. Howdyfromhoustonpodcast at gmail.com.